Hey guys, today's podcast is brought to you by Vinyl Me Please. Vinyl Me Please is a record of the month club. Every month, Vinyl Me Please features one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection and sends it to thousands of members worldwide. Each record is pressed exclusively for VMP members with features you can't get elsewhere. Things like bonus tracks, inserts, color variants, and comes packed with a 12 by 12 album inspired art, print, and custom cocktail pairing recipe. Sign up today when you go to www.vmp.com slash row. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the show. This is the World of Raw Podcast. And now your host, standing at 6'4", 225 pounds, from Alice, Texas, Roel Santos. Hey, 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 everyone. Sit back, relax, crank up your audio level to the highest decibel, because it's now time for the World of Row Podcast. I'm your host, my name is Roel Santos. You guys know me as this entertaining guy, podcaster, but I'm also a loving husband, a caring father, wonderful human being, a proud father of soon-to-be two wonderful kids, and uh, we're coming to you live from the new studio. That's right, yes. <clears throat> made some changes and, and you know, inspired by Mark Marin and so many other podcasters out there. I've made some enhancements and... I'm here in the studio talking to you, and welcome back. If this is your first time here, I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, this podcast is available to you every single Friday on iTunes, Google Play, WorldRoll.com, wherever you listen to your podcasts. There's a couple of great ways that you guys can always help out my podcast. If you haven't done so, please take the time to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Tell your friends. Tweet it. Instagram it. Vine it. Whatever. Well, actually, Vine's done. I'm sorry. Snapchat, maybe. I don't know. Um, whatever you use. Uh I would really, really appreciate it. Of course, there's always the Patreon page at patreon.com slash world of row. You can donate a couple of bucks there and get insight to some bonus content. And I'm working on some other ideas to getting some bonus content to you. Yes. So um, thank you all for the support. And I hope you enjoy the show. And I hope you enjoy the ride because every week it's me talking to my friends, podcasters, comedians, actors, whoever. It's everybody out there. Anyway, guys, um, I hope that you've had uh, a good week. Uh, I hope that your life's treating you well. I hope your families are well. Most of all, I hope you're well. I know it's a very interesting time for us as a nation and as a uh, country. And I think, uh, well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. And um, there's so many things going on out there. And, I mean, to say that we're not all affected by it is would be an understatement, right? I think we're all affected affected by it in some sort of way. And I can honestly tell you that I, I don't agree with any of it. I don't. Um, I don't feel proud to be an American right now. I actually feel kind of un, unhinged a little bit. I'm a little concerned where our country's headed, where we're going. I mean, it's, you know, I'm trying to, you know, give give the Donald uh, the the benefit of my uh, benefit of the doubt. And um, it's uh, it's kind of hard to do that, I have to tell you. But you know he's not he's not impressing me here. And um, if you voted for him, I hope that you are having some second thoughts and second opinions of what you of what's transpiring here. Because I don't think it's you know to go against the Constitution and you know what our forefathers and every you know everything like that to go against all that and it just doesn't feel right. And it's not a, a good feeling. And it's kind of scary, you know. As a it just I don't know. I'm at a loss, um, you know, just a sigh, that's all I have to do, but make a difference, make your voice be heard, don't be afraid to speak up, you know, and being in San Antonio, um, I'm a proud Spurs fan, and seeing Coach Popovich speak his mind and say what he wants to say, and to get the backlash that he's getting from some people is just kind of like, come on, man, I mean, you got people saying that he shouldn't be speaking up. He shouldn't be saying anything. I'm, look, we're in America. We're entitled. You know, everyone's got freedom of speech. And because he doesn't feel the same way you do doesn't mean that you have to condone him. Uh, you have to outcast him and you feel threatened by it or you want to cancel your season tickets. That's just childish. That's stupid. That's stupid. And, you know, people saying, oh, well, they're losing because he's not focusing on what he's supposed to be doing. That's, come on, guys. Really? That's stupid. 
Come on, let's grow up here. He's a human being. He's, he calls it like he sees it, and that's Pop. Pop's always going to be Pop, and you guys should know that. And, uh, you know, major kudos to Greggy. <laughs> I called him Greggy. Major kudos to Greg Pop, Popovich because he's um he's going to be him, and I think we all have to respect what he has to say or take into consideration. Maybe you don't have to respect it. You don't have to like it, but you do have to take into consideration because, I mean, it's he's making some pretty valid points. So, uh yeah, that's all I have to say about that. I mean, week's been good. Uh, weather is so up and down. You know, it's got our allergies all messed up. And uh, one day it's really cold and then one day it's really warm. It's so weird. That's just, that's Texas weather for you, you know. And uh, very, very excited. You know, my wife is halfway through her pregnancy. So that means in another 20 weeks or so we'll have our newborn here. And we still don't know the gender. I'm really, really excited to find out what the baby will be he or she i am it's just a blessing everything's going you know great with the baby so it's just you know (laughs) super excited you know oh man i'm so i'm so elated um, so going forward guys uh, let's just go and start with the uh, show this week's uh, well this is a continuation jason kyle is back this is part two of our conversation i kind of soprano sopranos it up for you there give you a little um cut off point there on the show so uh here's part two and i think we had a very very good conversation like i said in the first one it's just amazing convo jason's a cool guy and um we you know we kind of agreed on a lot of things and just talking to him about acting and comedy and what he's pursuing is just awesome to hear to hear people like that you know going through you know their their journey and trying to live their dream and trying to accomplish the things they want so i'm gonna go and play that for you guys now and let's enjoy You're absolutely right, man, and 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 it all it comes down to see the thing is everybody loves comedy, right? Not everybody love you know everybody loves a joke, everybody loves to laugh, right? But where it gets a little segmented is well that's you know oh you know I didn't like he made a joke about you know old people I I don't like that or he you know oh he said something about Trump and I'm yeah. a big supporter you know like yeah, yeah. and it's like you know. These are just jokes, man. Yeah, like we're trying to get, you know, we're trying to get a laugh. Like let's not, let's not be, you know, it, it's a new era now. It's a new, it's a new era, dude. And um, I, 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 we might, I don't know if we chatted about this or I mentioned this to you, but um, mm-hmm. so I'm, so next week I'm actually putting on a, it's a stage reading of this play that I adapted. That's about Lenny Bruce. Oh, nice. And the re and, and it's been, uh, you know, you know, I put months into kind of adapting the play and, and changing it a little bit and, um, kind of putting my own spin on it. And, um, you know, it's been years since I've, I've, you know, I've read the first play and kind of read his biography and, but it, what's, what's crazy for me is that we're experiencing almost this, this Lenny Bruce generation mm-hmm. again, 50 some odd years later. Right. So, so because he was censored for saying certain things on stage and there was a certain amount of political correctness that existed around the fifties and sixties, but now we're seeing it again. Yeah. We're seeing, you know, you know, Amy Schumer can't say certain things in Florida. Uh, uh, you know, Tracy Morgan, you know, as, as maybe as bad or as inappropriate as the jokes were, they were jokes, but you get, but certain sex and sex of people and crowds of people will speak out against them. And then they form this, you know, Twitter coalition or whatever it is. And your reputation is completely damaged from it, dude. Wow. So, so what's the line that you draw? That's, you know, oh freedom of speech versus something that's, oh, that's, you know, you shouldn't say that joke or it's offensive, you know? And it's like this, this, yes, it's an art form, but it's getting less and less fluid because you're, you're getting almost more and more restricted. You know, that's, that's just crazy to me, man. It's hard, dude. It's, I mean, you know, you know, uh, uh, and there are different schools of thought on this, right. But, but Chris Rock and, and Jerry Seinfeld, they say they, they would never play a college ever again because of that amount of political correctness at colleges. Wow. Or if you make a certain joke, it's like, no, it's not funny. It's offensive. Like automatically not even looking into the fact that it's like, okay, all right, you know, okay, I didn't really find that so funny, but you know, okay, I get it. It's a joke. Right, right. You know, it's, it's, we've moved past that. And it's like almost back to these Lenny Bruce days where it's like, you, you know, you, 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 you get vilified for, for saying what's on your mind. 
So so now it's just so people are just ultra sensitive with with shit now is what you're saying. I yeah, I th- I think so, man. I think so. As as somebody who's been doing comedy for years now and somebody who's in the art form and the performance art, art arena, I see it as you know People are saying, no, ah, you can't do that. Ah, you got to be sensitive. Ah, you got to be careful here. Yeah. And I understand, man. I mean, you know, you sh- it sh- comedy shouldn't offend, but it also it, it comedy shouldn't be offensive, you know, from the comedian side. But it also shouldn't be so offensive from the audience side. Right, I'm saying right. a lot of that now. Right. And uh, I don't know, man. It's just it, it's it's people are a lot more sensitive and, and unwilling to kind of see a joke as a joke, whether or not it, it's, it's a bad joke. Okay. There are bad jokes out there, <laughs> right? It's like, you know, ah, you know, it just wasn't really a good joke. Right, it wasn't right. well thought out. It didn't have a new perspective, whatever it is. It could just be a bad joke, but, but people kind of take it to, to the next, to the next level. And, right. you know, uh, um, but you know, then again, it's, it's, it's like how I view corporations, right? It's like you should have – you know what's right or wrong and you should have a level of personal and social responsibility for whatever you put out there. I agree. 100% so, agree. That's a great point. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, th- I think comics should kind of be the same way, um, have some level of social responsibility and knowing that if you just kind of go out there and go on a tirade or berate a certain person or a certain – you know, you have to kind of know that, the, okay, that's wrong. Yeah. I shouldn't do that. But, right. you know, I mean, com- comics, it's all trial and error. Yeah, yeah, you you yeah, got to learn. You got to learn by doing. So it's it's hard, man. You know, it's yeah. it's it's challenging. So do you do gigs outside of San Francisco in California? Do you ever go to L.A. or anywhere else? I do. You know, when I was first starting out, you know, I was kind of going down to L.A. and trying to feel it out a little bit. And I would do like bringer shows at mm. the comedy store, wow. you know, and I'm like, yeah, this isn't this probably like I probably don't want to expose myself this early, yeah. you know, to, to the L.A. market. And yeah. I'm, it's tough, man. I mean, I know a lot of comics up here because in San Francisco, you reach a glass ceiling, really? right? It's kind of like, OK, I you know, I've done all I could in San Francisco. I'm kind of featuring for yeah. headliners that come in. It's it's time for me to move on. And by moving on, it's, you know, we're here in California. So by moving on, you probably want to go down to L.A. Right. But, you know, there have been comics who, who've been down to L.A. They've tried it out. And then, they, and then maybe they come back up here, you wow. know, or they, or they move on somewhere else because it's tough, man. The markets are so saturated you know, they, people ask me the same thing all the time for acting. It's like, mm. man, you, you know, you, you're doing all this acting stuff. You should go down to LA. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what, for what, what, what am I, what am I going to, I'm going to show up in LA and be like, okay, guys, I'm here. <laughs> you know, wh- wh- where are the gigs? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't work like that, man. Right. You know, if somebody, if, if an opportunity brings me down to LA, I would, I would consider it, but, right. uh, it's not, you know, it's not worth just kind of showing up. Um, but uh, but San Francisco, you know, you take a city like San Francisco or even a place like Austin, mm-hmm. maybe San Antonio, like those are great markets to develop and hone the craft. Gotcha. You never want to go to L.A. or New York to to, to start out. Wow. Yeah. You, <laughs> That's to, because you just <clears throat> get swept up, man. You just got so you kind of got to get your feet wet, and then you take these these uh, sporadic trips to either L.A. Exactly, or New York. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. And the way social media is now, too, I mean, you know, we, I've been talking a lot of shit about it, but, you know, you, <laughs> you take like YouTube or something where you can put your videos out there. Yeah. You know, you could you could put your content out there and try to get it in the in the right hands. More often than not, it'll fall in the hands of trolls and they'll condemn you for it and you'll want to kill yourself. But <laughs> if you could get it yeah. in the hands of the right people, social media and, and the Internet could be a powerful platform. Yeah that you know where people you know back in the day you had to do the comedy store to be seen for you to get a sitcom you know back right. in the day you had to do certain th- you had to do the seller or whatever it was in new york to be seen now it's it's kind of branched out a yeah. little bit more which is which is good for, yeah for definitely people, yeah you know? you, i've spent a lot of um time in the last year educating myself on with comedy comedians and things like that like i said because of the podcast and everything but I had no idea that that Paulie Shore's parents were the ones who founded the comedy store. His mom, yeah, Mitzi, yeah. and his dad, Sammy. I had no idea who they where he was. And somebody told me he's like he's practically royalty in the comedy world. I was like, I had yeah. no idea. 
Right. We just knew him. What? We knew him from those. Uh, uh, the Weasel and Sino Man and Son in Law and MTV. <laughs> you know, we just knew him from that. <laughs> but I, I know, man. So what well, I did. Yeah his, yeah, his old, yeah, his old man founded it and then yeah. he gave it to Mitzi in the divorce. Wow. <laughs> and it's funny, dude. His old man was on Marin's podcast a few weeks back. And then I saw that, that Paulie was on there months or years ago. And I was like, ah, yeah. let me hear yeah, this. Yeah. But it was so good because, I mean, it, it seemed like. Um, and I'm not trying to diagnose Marin's podcast here, but I mean, mm-hmm. it seemed like he was trying to get some stories out of Polly, but Polly was being very, um, kind of keeping it close to the chest, I guess. Yeah. But I yeah. mean, it, it was just like, and, and I think Marin even had, had addressed it at the end of the podcast, but I, I listened to him do, do several interviews. And I, I mean, I find out more about people and, and I, I try to apply it to my craft and I'm not stealing, but I'm just trying to say, well, I need to kind of get better. That's he asked the right question kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, it's just, right. It's amazing. Right. Dude. Comedians. So amazing stories, amazing people, really nice people from what I can tell. I mean, you seem ah, pretty cool. Well, <laughs> but I mean, I'm not in the, I'm not in the <laughs> shit. So, I mean, I imagine that it's very, no, no, very no, no. cutthroat. You, 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 you absolutely. I mean, you said all the right things, dude. I mean, comedians can be great people, you know, on the other side. Yes. Show, show business and, and comedy is, is tough, man. You know, it is tough. I mean, again, you know, the examples of Marin and Louie, you know, even Kevin Hart, man, those guys have been in the game for a long time. Yeah. You know, but but really breaking through, you got to take the lumps. You're probably going to get screwed over 10,000 times, you know, but it's those guys that can kind of, you know, overcome that and and uh, have all of that perseverance through all the shit you got to go through. Yeah. And then, you know, again, you see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, if you can stick with it. But um do, yeah, do, man, do it's you certainly go a lot of shit. Do people, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but, um, I mean right now, dude, I'm, I'm in, you know, I've realized that my paths are through producing my own work. Nice. You know, I'm, I'm not going to sit back and, and let things fall in my lap. I've just never been really that type of guy. That's not my personality. Like I like to, you know, uh, uh, when I first started out doing comedy, I remember this message from one of the comedy clubs here in San Francisco saying, you know, it was like a list of like 50 rules wow. of the things you have to do to come and get a set at this club. And I'm like, fuck that, dude. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'll create my own opportunity to the point where maybe this club one day will say, hey, Jason, you want to come do a set? Like, I'm not going to, you know, I just, and, and a lot of that is, you know, you know, own my own bullshit ego that I should probably get over. Right, but, right. <laughs> but like, I'm also, I'm also okay, dude, putting in the work that it takes to produce, you know, I don't, I, you know, I'm right now I'm not, I'm not producing a comedy show right now. I'm going to produce, I'm producing a weekend comedy festival. Nice. Okay. So next month I have a weekend comedy festival. That's going to happen a little bit North of San Francisco wow. and we have this theater and I'm going to try that out. So we're producing five shows, both stand up and improv. And that's a shit ton of work, man. Yeah. But I see value in it because I'm sort of creating an opportunity there where, yes, I get to perform in the festival, but it's like, a, you know, it's it's a good networking opportunity and a good way to kind of get some press and publicity right. as opposed to like, ah, let me try to produce a, an open mic that's shitty that nobody comes to, you know, <laughs> um, uh, you know, and then and then last December, I produced my own short film that I'm going to send to a few producers uh, and hopefully we can maybe talk about turning it into a full length feature, wow, you know, man, but that's awesome. But, you know, I got the, the crew together. I did the casting, uh, paid for it out of my own pocket. So, uh, you know, it's a fuck ton of work, man. And yeah. it's very expensive. Yeah, but again, I was just I about to ask out, if it was expensive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I dude, don't get me wrong. I cashed in a ton of favors on that project, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had networked before. I knew a great crew. This one uh, DP that I worked with before who mm-hmm. was – young guy, but who's great. And he, he kind of, uh, got together the whole crew for me. And I was blown away by the amount of people that came together for this project to kind of help and see this vision through. I mean, it was, dude, it was inspiring to me, man. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a week before Christmas and all these people were there working pretty much for free and just hitting on all cylinders, man. These guys were pros. And I, I, you know, I told them, I said, you know what, man, if anything ever comes through where we get this thing uh, uh, turned into a full length feature, you guys are all number one on my call sheet, man. You know, wow. so 
Yeah. And that's how this business really works, man, whether it's comedy or, or, or uh, film. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's building those relationships so you yeah. can call those people down the line and say, hey, dude, remember that gig we had a couple years ago? Well, look, I got this thing. It's paid. I can pay you X amount of money and would love to have you on board. Nice. But are you going to call that same person up if they were an asshole to you on the show, or, or <laughs> you know, or if they're like, you know, fuck this, or or if they showed up, you know, an hour late, and or they ran over their time? Like, you're not going to probably want to work with those people again. So it's important to kind of establish those good relationships in the beginning. Yeah. So is it, that's what you've been doing. Is what you're saying? You've had the benefit of trying. networking. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, it's not always you know, easy. That Jason guy is such an asshole. No. <laughs> <laughs> I get, dude, I'll, I'll full, you know, full transparency. I guarantee some people have said that shit about me. <laughs> you know, like I, I get, you know, and it's hard, man, because, uh, um, you know, the creative world, I mean, you have your own kind of creative direction or, mm-hmm. or, you know, quote unquote, your artistic integrity that you right. want to do and maintain. And sometimes those bump heads, you know, sometimes those can clash. Yeah. So I've been experimenting and just figuring out these past few years. It's like, who do I collaborate very well with? <laughs> who do we, right? Who, 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 where does it like the chemistry work, you know? And then yeah. you find that and try to continue to work with those, with those people, you know? And, uh, that's why you see like, how many films has Scorsese made with DiCaprio? You know, at least five or six. How many films has Judd Apatow made with Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill? And those because they found that right chemistry, you know, and sometimes it takes some trial and error and and, and some pain along the way. But uh, when you find it, man, it's really cool. It's really cool to find that chemistry and you guys get to kind of hit on all cylinders, you know. Right, right. So, well, that, well, that's cool, man. So networking has been a, is a big thing. So acting, com- comedian, you know, doing comedy or producing or whatever. So have you, um, have you, have you burned bridges before? Or is that? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Oh, okay. 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 hundred, hundred percent, dude. And, and, and I look back on some things now and be, now I did it a lot when I was, <clears throat> when I was younger. Yeah. Okay. But the yeah. good thing about when I was younger is that. I wasn't really, I wasn't into comedy. I wasn't performing yet, but, uh, uh, so, so let me, let me give you an example. Okay. So, uh, like I was working abroad and this might not be as interesting cause I'm, you know, I'm pulling away from comedy, but it gives you an example either, of kind of like life like, experience, dude. That sounds cool. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm So here's an example, you know, of, of my personality. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's changed a little bit, but anyway, um, you know, back when I was working in Albania, I was, mm-hmm. I was transitioning. Okay. From the Peace Corps into, um, you know, so, so I was living this volunteer lifestyle where I was under the auspices of the Peace Corps. They were kind of paying me to set amount every month to live. And then I was, so I was transitioning from that into my own thing. Now I was working with this one organization. It's funded by the U S government. And, you know, I was kind of working on a project with the people there and, uh, I thought it was very bureaucratic. I thought they were dragging their feet. I thought things were kind of inconsistent. They were wasting time. So a lot of times at meetings, I would be very passive aggressive. Yeah. And that didn't always work well in my favor, man. (laughs) Okay. Because you know what's going to happen when I, when I left being a volunteer and when I was looking for paid gigs, do you think they would come, come at me with an offer if I was being (laughs) very rude? So, I mean, uh, so I looked, I looked back on those types of things and I said, okay, Jason, if you're going to get into a whole new field and industry, you can't do shit like that, man. You gotta be able to develop a thicker skin Mm -hmm. and, and, and focus more on the relationships. But but dude, when I was first starting out, man, you know, I had a lot of impatience. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times I was, you know, I was kind of negative and I would work with comics and they would, they'd be like, dude, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're too negative. And I'd be like, dude, maybe you need to work harder so we can sell this fucking show out, <laughs> you know, like, th- 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 you know, and, and, uh, but I've kind of evolved a little bit more, dude. And I've learned to lo- be a little bit more patient and I've yeah. learned to pick my battles, yeah, you know, definitely. I didn't, I didn't, uh, there was this one film uh, that I did not get cast in where the director, uh, um, you know, he, after, even after the callback, you know, he sends me an email mm-hmm. after the callback and he's like, dude, you know, you, you blew us away. I mean, it was, it, it was great. Um, um, we just re- you know, thank you so much for coming in for reading. We think you would be great for the part. Yeah. So, so I send an email back uh-huh. and I say, well, th- you know, thank you so much, you know, for, for the kind words. I, I, I can't tell if you're offering me the role or not. Right, right. 
and 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 he emails me back again and he's yeah. like well we're not you know we're kind of undecided it's between you and another actor and this and that and you know he eventually sends me an email and he's like you know we you know sorry so sorry to tell you we eventually went with this other actor oh man and immediately i wanted to send an email and be like why did you even email me anyway right you know? right it's yeah like, yeah it's like i want I, like i rewrote this email to him about 10 or 15 different times dude wow and then in the end i realized you know what i'm just not going to send anything yeah it's going to work in my favor. The like as much as my hurt pride and my stupid ego wants to send something back that says, you know, that says whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I just I just decided not to, man, you know, wow. and uh, and so so I figured, you know, OK, but it, there were other times, man, I, you know, I, I got cast as the lead in this feature mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it was supposed to be this rom-com, uh, uh, comedic, uh, more improvised role and come to find out i mean the guy wanted me to do jokes that were like you know from from the 80s or from like old outdated films that were like so on the nose Mm -hmm. that i was i was i was like dude i can't you know i i can't say this like this is this is a joke from airplane and they already did the joke we're not (laughs) we're not changing it in any way like there's no way i can do this joke and he's like no no no, just do it just do it and i'm like so we got we were really bumping heads dude and that was so i saw value in giving a lot of pushback to that because i just did not really at all agree with the direction man and i so again so when i say choose your battles you know that one where i like i could have sent that email and i'm like ah no that's a battle you don't want to fight, you right, know, but yeah. when I'm in this role and when I think I'm going to look bad because of the jokes he wants me to do, right. that's a battle I'm willing to take on, you know? Definitely. So I, it, it's hard. It's tough though, man. I still, you know, being in, in comedy and, and any type of performance art, you know, it, it takes, it always takes a little bit of ego, you know, I think because you, you, you have this certain creative direction right. that, that you, that you own. Right. I mean, you're naturally a creative person and, and, and sometimes you don't want to compromise yeah. on things like that. So, you know, I, I don't know, man, that's just been me. I'm sure I'll probably burn a couple more bridges down the line. <laughs> Who knows, man? I hope it's not like a fucking NBC studio exec <laughs> that I ruin an opportunity with, but you never know. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. I mean, well, it, it sounds like you've learned from them. You sound like you're a better dude for it. I mean, I I'm try- yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I didn't know you when you were in, when you were doing the Peace Corps in Albany. No, I'm kidding. Al- Al- Albania. No, no. <laughs> I know. No, it's even hard to pronounce, dude. People are like, what? Where is this place? You know? <laughs> You're like, uh, it's it's in one of the other seven continents. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. People are like, I don't know. That sounds made up. <laughs> <laughs> no, you sound like you you've got a better head on your shoulders, man. And I get where you're coming from because. At the end, like you said, you have that creative control and you feel like you could do it a different way. I mean, what, let me, I have to ask though, because I am a big airplane fan. What joke were they wanting you to rehash? Was it the Shirley joke? Yes. Oh. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Like, it's like, there's no, like, it, it, you know, it, it, it's exactly what it, it was something like a line of dialogue and I would say Shirley something, blah, blah. And then, and, and, uh, it's been done, man. Yeah. It, it's been, let's move on. There's no point in redoing that joke. Like it's nice sometimes to pay homage yeah. to, to, to classic films in a certain way, but it's gotta be, you, you can't do it by stealing a line. Yeah, that's true. That's true. People are going to, dude, people are going to, my, my viewpoint was people are going to look at that and they are going to be laughing at that. Not because they think it's funny, right. but because they think it's so terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I saw this movie here that was produced in San Francisco. It was, it, it, you, dude. Yeah. L- later on, l- look it up, man, because yeah. there's a lot of like stories and history on it. It's called The Room, the okay, room. and okay. it's a cult classic in small little th- theaters here in San Francisco. And the reason being is that people love to hate it. It's mm-hmm. it, like it's it's produced so poorly that mm-hmm. that that's why people love it. Yeah. And my worst nightmare of being sort of an up and coming actor and doing the indie circuit here mm-hmm. is that is that one of my films turns into that. Oh. Even though we were trying. Yeah. So like that that's what I saw that film The Room and everybody I was with was laughing at it and I was just like, 
oh no, this is my worst nightmare as an actor. <laughs> right? Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. imagine if something like that takes off and it's like, oh, you're the guy who was in that thing. It was terrible. Oh, and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. go fuck yourself. <laughs> so it, so you watch, you watch a Marin show on Netflix. Did you watch all of that? I saw the first three. I know okay. season four just came out on yeah. uh, on Netflix, so I yeah. got to catch up on that. I saw the first couple episodes of season four, but yeah. I know he kind of took that in a different direction. Yeah, and I'm excited did. to see the to see the season. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it was it, it ends really, you know, abruptly. But I'll just say mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. no, I, I was making I was thinking about that episode where he he he's getting like he's got Eric Stoltz is like a friend of his, and they're like they went to college together or whatever. Now he's like a director or producer. And Mark, he's trying to get Mark to do like his TV show, and but Mark Maron's only mm-hmm. wanting to do it like the I think Andy Ken Andy Ken is it Kindler is it Kindler or Kindle? It's Kindler, right? Andy Kindler, I think. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, dude. I would know yeah. the guy if I see him. I'm so terrible with names. Yeah, but no, yeah. he's trying to convince him to do the gig so he could get insurance or whatever. And Mark Mark doesn't want to do it because he doesn't like the dude, and it's like no, it goes everything against I everything against I stand for or whatever like that. And I think that oh the cor- the corporate gig. Not the corporate gig. It was the like the he was like the like the hobo or something, and like Bobcat makes like a random cameo at the end of the movie. But oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I forget. I forget which episode it is. But Eric Stoltz is is like the the actor. I mean, Eric Stoltz is in the in that episode. But uh-huh. it was it was really interesting because it it made, it made me think about that because like you're saying, if you're, I mean, you just don't want to be creatively stifled. Sounds like right. Yeah, yeah, man. exactly. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. That's why I mean, like, uh, uh, Louis C.K. You take a look at his show, Louis. Mm-hmm. He had one hundred percent creative control over that thing. Wow. Meaning he, you know, he produced it, he directed it, he acted in it, he edited it, and he would send it just straight to the studio, and they would air it. Wow. You know, he'd send it straight to FX, and they would, and and to find something like that is incredibly rare. Yeah. And you know, granted, he it took him you know twenty five years to get to that point, but mm-hmm. um, it, it, it exists. Yeah. You know, so for me to want to produce sort of my own stuff, you know, I'm also you know I produce that film, I have this play, producing a comedy festival, awesome, I'm also dude. you know producing a a, a a a pilot for a TV show, that right? Is, so that's badass, yeah. So the thing is, I'll be able to have, and and uh, uh, I'll be able to have control over the pilot. Right. You know, if 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 a network or somebody wants to pick it up, I mean, right now I would just like to produce it for like local cable. This way, I can have my creative control, and then if it gets, you know, p- you know, who knows what can happen down the line. I know I'll probably have to uh, uh, relinquish some of that at some point, but. You know, uh, yeah, guys like Marin and Louie, they can get that creative control over their show. But, you know, now they've kind of moved on. Louie did something new that was kind of – I think he only sold it online and it was kind of like this hybrid of like a TV show and theater. And I haven't seen it. I've heard him talk a lot about it. Marin had him on and they talked a lot about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, it's something he produced himself out of his own pocket, full creative control. Critics wow. absolutely hated it, but who cares, man? He yeah, rolled the yeah. dice. He produced his own thing. He's already got a name and a brand, and I, I, it's it's great, man. It's great the type of work that he gets to do and produce, and uh, you know he gets to have that creative control because I've heard him back about things he did back in the day. What he used to be a writer for Conan. Um, he wrote and directed. Uh, I don't know if he directed it, but he he wrote. I uh, maybe produced uh, Pootie Tang. Oh, Louis C.K. did that. Yeah, wow. yeah. But but hearing the stories of how the network uh, or the studio edited it and changed it, mm-hmm. it was like a dagger through his heart, man. Oh, wow. So he so that he was like, I can't believe they completely changed this script in this film that I created. Yeah. So that just didn't really sit well with him. So I guess he vowed to, to have that creative control going forward, man. And, uh, he's had it for the most part. And I, I totally envy that and respect that. Definitely, man. Definitely. Because it's, it's your thing. It's your baby. It's your, like, it's, it's all you. So, I mean, so I take it Louis CK and Marin are like one of your biggest or your biggest influences in the comedy or was there? Yeah. I mean, I more recently. So I'd say, yeah, man. I mean, I love Marin's show so much because when he brings on an actor or a big comedian or a director, um, it's such a humanizing experience yeah. to hear the interview. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. like we know these guys like as as what Louis C.K. super comic. We don't know him as, you know, the struggles he went through in Boston yeah. as an up and comer. Yeah. 
you know? So like, yeah. we don't know the Louis CK who lived in poverty, who spent his last thousand bucks on a fucking trumpet that he didn't need. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. that story was great, yeah. but, but yeah, man. So I, so yes, it's been a huge influence on me, you know, and Louis seeing his show and seeing him do his stand up and yeah. his show is so humanizing because it shows his struggles as a comedian, as a performer. Yeah. And the same thing with Marin's show. It, 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 he makes it very relatable to his own personal life. And hundred uh, yeah. percent. Yeah. And, and, I, and the TV show was great. I mean, the TV show was great because I know he ended it. But uh, like you like you said, the podcast, man, I mean, the Obama episode was amazing. Yeah. I was just listening to uh, to the Gina Gershon episode and I was like, dang, this, he like like uh, one of my one of my friends, he, he's a he's a comic or he uh, like he was a podcaster, but he was in Massachusetts and he was like you got you got two different types of podcasters because he was talking about how he had i forgot who he had but but chris hardwick had the same guy on his podcast and you're like there were two different types of podcasts (laughs) because hardwick had one conversation and and marin's like the fucking jedi master he was able to like get him to like just talk right you know but i but i think it's just because he's he's so freaking amazing at it so yeah yeah he makes exactly you know absolutely man it's it's uh you know, it's very cerebral. He talks about the upbringing, what their parents do. I love, I love that. I love yeah. that question. Yeah. Like what, what'd your parents do for work? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah. Okay. We know your, you know, we know, uh, William Friedkin, you're a big dr- director, Danny boy, you're a big director, you know, Louie, yeah. you're a big comedian, but what do your parents do? And then what was your upbringing like? And what kind of sparked that path yeah. to y- your creative path? You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's always cool. That's always interesting to hear, man. Yeah. And uh, 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 just because of that, uh, 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 you get kind of that full scope, that full story. It's like, okay, let's start from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, no, oh, let's start. Tell me, tell me everything. I mean, the way he got Obama to talk was amazing. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that was t- that must have been tough, dude. Like, yeah. I'm sure he was nervous as all hell. And it's like, well, okay, we only have a tight hour. What can we get in in this hour? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But. Uh, I I liked the he did he did one with um who his producer Brennan about oh, the, about about the Obama about getting Obama on the podcast yeah right? yeah, so yeah. Good. that was good that was good yeah, yeah <laughs> I like that one a lot too man but yeah it's you, you know yeah big influences man I grew up my I guess my my interest in comedy mm-hmm. came from, I mean I grew up on Seinfeld the show okay. Seinfeld yeah Jerry Seinfeld yeah. so I I mean. I was probably in the fourth or fifth grade when I first kind of clung to it. And I now, I mean, I could recite every episode by heart. Nice. Yeah. So I don't think there's, there's probably not a Seinfeld TV trivia question. You can, you can stump me on, you know what I mean? Like I, I just grew up on that and I, I loved it. And a lot of part of reason why I still love it is because of a lot of it holds up today. Right. Right. But, uh, you know, it's the genius and the writing and the performing and it's it's all of those things hitting on all cylinders for me, which um, which was big for me uh, uh, growing up. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, that was a great show as a kid. Uh, I <laughs> loved uh, my dad. Uh, I, we watched TV together all the time. So he would always watch Cheers and nice. and Frasier. Not dude. <laughs> those are two shows that, that they still I hold should up, get, dude. I know, but you know what, man, I was, uh, uh, so see, I was, uh, uh, born in 86. Okay. So yeah. those were a little bit too over my head, Yeah. but I look back on them and you know, uh, uh, somebody else tells me to revisit mash, yes. but I remember, I remember when I was young cause Alan, I'm a big Alan Alda fan, yeah, yeah. but when I was young, mash would come on, you know, obviously it was syndicated. It wouldn't right. come on, you know, it wouldn't first air, but it would come on. Uh, after the Yankee games. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're, was, you're a Yankee I, fan. That's right. Oh, dude, you know, die hard Yankee. Fan. Oh my God. <laughs> so I'd be this, I'd be, you know, 10 year old kid watching the Yankee game Saturday afternoon. And then, and then it was over and then mash comes on. I'm like, I don't want to watch this shit. I want to watch I want to watch another baseball game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? So it kind of, it, 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 it positioned it very strangely in my brain. Right. But if I look back on it now, I'm kind of like, man, this is actually really great. Yeah, yeah. Frasier and Cheers are also like that for me, so yeah. I need to revisit those. Well, you know, the, Cheers was on Netflix a few years ago, but it's not on there anymore. But my dad came over one night, and he was like, hey, um, let's watch something. I go, like, oh, okay, whatever. So he goes and watches, like, Anthony Bourdain or whatever it is, and then he finds, like, a, uh, I forget which TV land. I forget where which they were showing it on, but he finds it, and, we're, and I'm watching it with him, and I'm – I'm like in stitches, man, because Kelsey Grammer is on point, and then the guy that played his brother—I forgot what uh, 
uh, uh, anyway it was oh, such... but what, what, Niles or Miles? Yeah, Niles, Niles, yeah, Niles, Niles yeah. yeah. Oh, he's great. Dude, I, I know. I put, my uh, 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 I get people who say, dude, you got to what Niles, his, just his reactions yes. to certain things are great. And like, and because, because Frazier, when I was younger, I remember Frazier, uh, you would see like an hour of Seinfeld and then Frazier would come on after. Right. And I'm kind of like, ah, okay. it, you know, usually it was like, it was like my bedtime. So I would turn it off. And then it just like, it was a different energy for me, which, which it totally is. But yeah. I, ju- I just never got into it when, you know, when I was younger. Um, so I gotta, I gotta revisit that dude. I, I hear it's pretty brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It's dude. It's, it's amazing. It's a, it's a well done show. You know, the writing's great and, the actors are doing such an amazing job. I mean, it's just, it's on point, man. I mean, that show is just, it delivers it, you know? Oh man, you don't see TV shows like that anymore. So, I mean, yeah, it's tough, man. Yeah. It's, it's changed. You know, I mean, it's definitely evolved from the sitcom era of TV to, you know, more like making films, but Mm -hmm. in like 10 or 12 episodes. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, uh, uh, Mad Men, uh, Mad Men, True Detective, you know, the first season, the second season was terrible. Right. But, uh, uh, you know, Breaking Bad, like those are some of the best dramatic f- shows on TV. Right. Sup- I mean, it all kind of started with The Sopranos. Once The Sopranos hit, right. it's like, man, we can make a whole new – this is a whole new era of TV now. Right. So those shows are great, yeah, but it's it's the Seinfelds and the Frasers are kind of few and far between now. Yeah. Um, but, it, it you know, it depends Like because I guess, you know, you get stuff on Netflix – it's so um, – I don't want to say watered down, but there are so many more mediums to get a show out there. Yeah, definitely is now. Especially, and Netflix now especially has kind of risen up and has kind of taken over. But there are other ways now to get sh- your show out there. There's so many different right. um, streaming apps now that, that are right. trying to get that exclusive content that they've started Yeah. Doing. Hulu and Amazon are doing their yeah. own stuff. Netflix has their own branded stuff. Yeah. So, so it, you know, I think, um, you know, Seinfeld was one of the last shows to have how, I don't know what, 50, 60 million people tune in. I, wow. you know, just throwing out a number there, but no, yeah, you know, was... MASH had like almost a hundred million wow. because what, because MASH was the only thing on TV back then. Right. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, didn't yeah. have all those, you know, now it's like, oh, it's coming on TV. Uh, if, if I miss the finale, I'll catch it on Netflix, you know, I'll yeah. stream it. You know, yeah. so so that game has definitely changed. I mean, ratings are almost irrelevant now. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah, you don't really get that NBC CBS sitcom anymore like you did kind of uh, back in those days. Right. Yeah. Well, man. So um, so Jerry Seinfeld is a big, big influence on you. Oh, dude. Yeah. Huge, man. Yeah. Huge. And But it wasn't until later on yeah. when I really realized it, when I realized like, holy shit, man, maybe. You know, maybe, maybe I can do this. Maybe, maybe I can yeah. try this. Yeah. You know, it was, it was all throughout growing up. I was, um, you know, I played, ba- like I said, you know, big Yankee fan. I played baseball ever since I was like seven years old, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, played, uh, my first year in college, but then wound up having a bad arm injury. Oh wow! So I kind of, so that kind of, so, so I wasn't playing ball anymore. So I'm kind of like, what the hell am I going to do, man? Yeah. So I wound up, um, yeah, I wound up realizing that well, I should probably focus on getting some good grades. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I wound up studying abroad, and that study abroad program was what prompted my interest in the Peace Corps and all these other things. And I just thought, man, you know, I just maybe I I want to be like a CEO one day. That seems kind of cool. Yeah, you know. And then I realized, no, nah, I don't want to do that shit. <laughs> that seems awful, yeah, yeah. actually. Yeah. So I'm, I just, I'm like, you know what, man, the, the Peace Corps is what prompted me to, to really, uh, go after something that I was passionate about mm-hmm. because I saw in that country, the lack of opportunity that existed for people who are passionate about certain things, but just couldn't pursue it because of different reasons. You know, the, you know, they came from a strict communist dictatorship and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the opportunity there just didn't exist. You know, it was a small country, small markets, um, so coming back to the U S man and seeing all the opportunities that we have, yeah. uh, uh, granted that's not to say it's easy right. to go and pursue your dream. Right? right. But we do have the potential and opportunity to go and do it. Yeah. So to, to just do something that I was miserable at just didn't really sit well with yeah. me, man. So I yeah. am, I am very grateful for all those other opportunities. Uh, you know, the study abroad and the Peace Corps, they kind of opened my eyes to, 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 uh, what I wanted to do 
what I was passionate about and kind of where I am now, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. which is, which is being broke. <laughs> <laughs> but you're pursuing your dreams, man. You're pursuing your dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting there, man. I'm getting there. <laughs> Just go watch the pursuit of happiness, man. That'll get you motivated. <laughs> well, yeah. Filmed in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yep. There's a scene where they go to the Niners game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Niners game. And there's, um, so are you a you Giants know, fan? Uh, you know, I'm not diehard about football. Actually, my lady and her family grew up in Pittsburgh, so they're, oh, they're very yeah, fans, yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Oh. So I mean, you know, I'm, I'm I root for them. You know, I wouldn't say uh, uh, like I'm like I'm just diehard about the Yankees, that one team, and that's yeah. it. You know, basketball, football. I'm, I'm fans of the game. You yeah. know, I'll watch. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I root for the Steelers for sure. You know, um, if, if the Giants are in it, yeah, I'll root for the Giants. You know, but. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, not not you know, uh, I'm I don't I don't have a Giants helmet on every time they're playing. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who's your favorite Yankee of all time? I have to ask. Oh God, man! I grew up on the dynasty team, so Bernie Williams was my wow. all-time favorite. You know, wow. the guy. I mean, he he's such an underrated player and such a. Uh, uh, such a quiet leader. I yeah. mean, hi, you know, him and Jeter, both the like very quiet leaders. They were never these like loud, boisterous, outspoken guys, right, you know, right. both lifetime Yankees. I mean, it's, it's, you know, they got a lot of young guys coming up now, but mm. it's going to be very hard to find another Jeter and another Bernie Williams, yeah, you know? Definitely. So the fact that I'm watching the games now and cause Jeter just retired what a yeah. few years. Ago. Yeah, he did. Yeah. It's just, uh, I like Derek Jeter a lot. He was a consummate, you know, just an amazing professional. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, man, never marred in controversy. Mm-hmm. Never yep. linked to to the steroid. You know, the guy. You know, I think maybe the most he, he might have had one year where he hit like twenty home runs. But you know, just clutch in other ways. Right. You know, just a great leader. Yeah, and. um Granted, you know, there are a lot of other variables. He had great team or surrounded by great clubhouse guys and, and good leadership um, in the front office and a good manager. But, you know, that guy was the core of those teams, man. Definitely. And it's it's weird to watch the games and just him not be there, you know? Yeah. So and but, A-Rod's done, right? So Teixeira's done. So they're like in full on rebuild mode now, right? Full on, dude. They oh. I mean, at this last it's weird. I was in I was in Thailand this past july and august what the heck were you doing in thailand i did one of these silent meditation retreats oh wow okay that's interesting (laughs) and uh (laughs) i'll tell you what man that was one of the most transformative but most challenging things i've ever done in my life dude wow and when i told people about that when i said hey i'm you know i'm gonna do the silent meditation retreat for 12 days yeah they thought me being quiet and not talking for 12 days was the best joke i've ever told <laughs> you know because that was that was yeah. a struggle and just a complete lifestyle transformation for yeah. that time of you know you're eating vegan no coffee no alcohol no this no that only two meals a day up at 4 a.m. every day it's like what the shit am i doing but uh, yeah, I, I think everybody should do something like that at least once in their life, man. Wow, really? I, I, I don't, huh? dude. I don't want to. I don't want to be preachy or whatnot. But no, definitely. J- j- just to like, um, you know, to to for, for a few different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. To 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 kind of uh, get uh, uh, an entryway into what meditation is, which is such an amazing, helpful practice when it comes to, you know, our stressful and anxiety induced lives. So yeah. to get sort of like an entry level, uh, a crash course into that is great. Number two, I think Buddhism is a, is a fantastic religion. It's grounded in, in all of the principles we should be doing no, as human beings yeah, instead yeah. of all these other things, which is fight and hate and all these other things. Um, and then to completely unplug dude, yeah. to completely plug for 10 or 12 days. When, when do we get the chance to do dude. that? We don't do that anymore. I know. And and nice. you know what? It's it's funny you mention that because I was just watching The Matrix the other day and, and I would tell my wife, I go, You never heard the term where people say I just gotta unplug for a little bit and get away? And she's like 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 unplug from the matrix and she's like, I know and I go, What? And and <laughs> you know, and because I, I she had never seen the matrix and so I'm trying to explain it to her. I go, So basically we're, they're in a world controlled by the machines and they're they're seen as 
a copper top basically where they control you and they tell you what you need to do blah blah blah, blah. right, right. Goes, which so, is which is probably which is pretty much true dude it is very much true <laughs> i mean it, i go to work i make somebody else yeah. i get paid money but i right. Hey, somebody, somebody else makes all the money, right. you know? <laughs> right, right, 100%. <laughs> you know, Media in... tells us certain things, you know? Yeah, it's, it's almost yeah. like like I like I, I wanted to go off on this tangent. I was like, no, 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 this is watch. I go, if you really want to watch a very black and white version of what The Matrix is, go watch They Live. They Live is exactly like that. But I mean, mm-hmm. it, but that's awesome, dude, that you disconnected and you didn't have your social Ugh. media, your phone attached to your hip and mm-hmm. all this shit. I mean, that's you know awesome. What, dude, you know what was so crazy, man, What's is that? that when I got my phone back and I got reconnected <sighs> and I was sifting through my emails, yeah. it was like I was – it, it, it like I was uh, uh, like almost like on a on a like a buzz like a like a high because <laughs> like I was like I was I was almost shaking a little bit and I was almost like high again you know really? so it was almost like that 10 that like those 10 or 12 days like the first few days like you're going through these withdrawals yeah, yeah. and then you're kind of you and then you you kind of reach like a, a st- you kind of plateau a little bit yeah. and you're uh, uh uh you know you can deal with it you're feeling good you know yeah. you're getting in a rhythm and then you get high again. That's exactly <laughs> what like, it was, man. Like I fucking relapsed. Damn it. Yeah, no. yeah, exa- yeah that's exa- well, yeah, I mean, I had no choice. I kind of had to. Right? Yeah, I yeah. couldn't be full on monk for the rest of my life, but yeah. but yeah, man, it's it's that's what it was and because what it, it's like having our phones, it's like constantly getting high, but we're just we're just functioning uh uh, uh um uh, uh alcohol whatever it is, functioning yeah addicts dude, you know what i mean that's yeah that's so so on point dude it's it it's uh anyway you know and and people don't have to go to thailand right, right. It. like they do it all over you know california all yeah. over the place but um it's just a really nice uh, sort of mental cleanse a physical one too yeah. because i'm you, you know you know we don't put all the crap that we put in our bodies every day right. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um and it's you're there with your own thoughts, man. It gives you a lot of kind of uh, uh, introspective, yeah, yeah, sort sort of a uh, time. You got all the time in the world to just right. think about your life, man. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, anyway, yeah, I forget how we yeah. got to that. We I was were there. talking about the Yankees about and baseball. Yeah. yeah. So so do so one of the the day I got back, quote unquote, connected to the internet. Yeah. I saw trade deadline had passed and I saw the Yankees traded away all their people <laughs> traded Carlos Beltran, you know, the, uh, uh, Andrew Miller, all their bullpen guys. And, yeah. um, but it was some smart moves cause they got a lot of good young players back from it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. it was also when I had learned that a rod was, uh, was retiring, yeah, which, they, which is, which is interesting, right? It seems like they like forced them into doing it. It's pro yeah, that probably had something to do with it. I mean, I think they had enough respect for him to say it's like, you know what, why don't you just retire yeah. as opposed to us force cutting you and because look, man, I was I'll be I mean a lot of Yankee fan I know a lot of non Yankee fans hate the guy. Yeah. Even a lot of Yankee fans are kind of divided, but right. I always rooted for him, man. Mm-hmm. I mean if he if he was in pinstripes, I had the guys back. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I'm not going to boo the guy. I'm not, I always rooted for him, man. So when he was clutch in 2009, uh, oh, yeah. you know, I, it, when, when he came up with a big hit, I always loved it. And again, I was just kind of sad to see him go, man. Cause I always rooted for him, but I do know that he was kind of in his, in his decline. And, right. um, you know, he had such a great career, but look what they're doing with Bond and Clemens these yeah. guys probably they might not get in the Hall of Fame yeah. which I think is fucking ridiculous yeah I think it's absolutely absurd especially when the commissioner under that steroid era who allowed it to happen yeah. gets in the Hall of Fame oh yeah Bud Sulig is in the Hall of Fame yeah, yeah. what is that man so <laughs> oh god and it, we'll have to do a whole nother episode dude of we, we could totally like talk about baseball sports you know, a whole other episode yeah. of this topic. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely, man. Um, I, so I'm gonna I have to ask. So, greatest Yankee of all time, in your opinion, is it Jeter or is it is it uh, Mantle or is it Ruth or? Dude, you gotta separate them by era. I right. think. I mean, it's like you know, you have Babe Ruth, but oh my gosh, you know, look at Lou Gehrig. I mean, he kind of yeah. gets overshadowed almost yeah, because yeah. of what Ruth did. But yeah, I mean, Ruth might be probably the best baseball player of all time. Yeah. I mean, because the guy had 700 some on home runs in parks with fences that were about 600 feet to straight away center field. Yeah, that's crazy. 
in an era where steroids didn't exist, where workout regimens almost didn't exist. And he was one of the greatest pitchers ever before he became a full-time hitter and position player. Yeah. I think people tend to forget that too. It's yeah, dude, that it's kind of a no brainer to go with Ruth. Um, but yeah, you you know, I kind of separated by, by era. And then he had Joe DiMaggio who, um, you know, kind of went off and I think he fought in world war two and then came back and still became a freaking phenomenal player. So, uh, um, yeah, I separated by era, but I mean, Ruth DiMaggio, Mantle, Jeter. I mean, those guys are, oh man, they're, they're second to none. You know what I mean? with 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 their skills so, so yeah and it's it's the legacy of the yankees is, is also too yeah second. 27 world series titles and uh a whole lot of dynasties i mean, I oh, mean yeah. <laughs> so it's, it, it, it pains me to see what's been happening these past oh yeah years. it's because all... i grew up you know i grew up with what night you know 96 98 99 tooth all of these different <laughs> You know, it's like you expected them to win when you were a Yankee fan. Yeah. You know, it's like spoiled. So you guys, you guys and Laker fans are going through this whole full on rebuild mode right now. So it's, it's, it's kind of nice. That's not nice, but I mean, it's, it's nice to see that you guys have to go through that sometimes. Yeah. And I think with those organizations, totally, no, totally, man. And, and, and they've happened in their histories before. Right. So it's not my generation, which is, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's good, you know those those um, those teams. Number one, they're both big market teams, right? So so money is not as much of it as an issue as say the Kansas City Royals. You right, know what I mean? Right, right. So so they'll always, and that's not to knock the Royals. I mean, they've been in the World Series what a couple of times, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, it, it, yeah, so they're big market teams, and uh, you know they have good legacies, which means. You know they'll always kind of circle back to having those really great teams again. Wow, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which takes some time, but they'll get there. Uh, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm not sure if the Yankees will have a good team this year, but we'll see, man. They got a lot of young guys. It'll be fun to watch. Yeah. All right, man. Well, how do you feel, dude? We put in a lot of time here. We did. So you, you, you're, you're, you're gonna make my life a little difficult. No, I'm kidding. So what? <laughs> so what I'm gonna do is. We're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna edit all this out. We're just gonna talk. <laughs> no, about no, no. You know what I'm gonna do, man. I, I I'm gonna I'll split it into two parts, and I'll I'll do like so. I release every Friday, so I'll so this so this Friday I already have something because it's like the one my one year anniversary of my podcast. So I'll release. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, man. So I'll release. Congrats, dude. That's Thank good you. stuff, dude. I, yeah. That's good stuff, man. I'm gonna. <laughs> 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 every good week i have yeah, missed man. well no that's that's great dude no, no good for you I, i'll tell you what next uh, the next episode i'll interview you oh dude okay so <laughs> how about we do that so then we'll, we'll... And we'll and we'll put it on your podcast yeah you put it on my podcast you hijack it uh, that's a good idea man no yes. um what, what we'll do is um i'll release uh i'll release this part like the following friday and then i'll release the other part so i mean i got two parts with jason kyle because he's got charisma Right on, man. Look, the first part the people will listen to, and the second part I guarantee will be like the least to listen to one of your podcasts. Like, I don't want to listen to another one of this fucking guy. <laughs> no, man. You were great, dude. I mean, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. It's, it's awesome, oh, dude. Right on, man. Right on, dude. Thanks for asking me, man. I'm glad we were able to, to, to make the time. Yeah, man. So um, before we go, you want to um, plug your social media and everything where everybody can find you? Oh, God. Not really, man. <laughs> oh, you don't people, have... <laughs> these people are going to be all over me. Oh, my God. They're going to be like, hey, I heard the podcast. You fucking suck, dick. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, man. I do. I go Twitter and Instagram is at Jason Kyle Comedy. I yeah. I usually I rock to the Instagram a little bit more just because it's uh, people are nicer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. You, you know, JasonKyleComedy.com. Uh, whatever, man. You could find. I, I own a, a small little production company where I make funny content for other companies. Nice. Um, that's called TheHumorResources.com. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man. You know, people could find me out there. I hope they don't, because if they do, I that I, I don't know, man. I got to deal with all this. Uh, you know, oh this man, it's brutal, feedback. dude. No, man, it's brutal out there. But no, 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 it's all good, man. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, man, hit me up. You know, yeah, dude. Hit me up. Yeah, man, Jason, thank you so much, man. It was awesome, dude. Thank you, man. Really, I appreciate it, man. You're doing great stuff, man. Keep crushing it. Thanks, man. All right, man. Okay, guys, so that was my conversation with Jason, part two of my conversation with Jason. Uh, just a really down-to-earth, easy-to-talk-to guy. It was a great podcast. It was nice to, to sync up with him. 
and the, I the story of, of him of how we got to like how we linked up was was pretty hilarious because of the whole Marin Ron Zimmerman situation and that the, I'll never forget that because that was like one of the funniest things that um, I've ever I've ever seen because like he mentioned in the in the first part of the conversation in part one how it kind of just triggered this snowball effect where where they kind of started arguing and he was kind of in the middle and I kind of like I was trying to be like a peacemaker with with them and I, I reached out to Jason and then we podcasted and I think he's he's got a very bright future he's got a very very bright future and I think he's going to do some great things man uh, so Jason again thanks for being on the podcast and thank you for listening follow Jason on Twitter if you have Twitter at Jason Kyle Comedy check out his Facebook page uh, facebook.com slash Jason Kyle he's a really cool guy thanks man all right guys so um that's the show for the week yeah i hope you enjoyed uh because i enjoyed next week's gonna be great the week after is gonna be great and then the next 40 some odd weeks or 48 weeks are gonna be even better so uh keep dialing it in and keep uh subscribing if you haven't subscribed yet please do so on itunes stitcher wherever you listen to your podcasts i would really really appreciate it guys so um all right, social, uh, the social media, Twitter and Instagram, at Roel Santos Jr. Uh, you can check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash worldofrow. You can go to worldofrow.com for all your World of Row needs, pictures, episode directory. That would be fantastic. I'm still working on it. And I looked at it, I was like, eh, I got to make this look a little bit better. And it's just about having the time to do it. So uh, don't uh, overly critique me there. So I say that all the time. But anyway. All right, guys, you've been listening to The World of Row. I'm Row L. So uh, we'll see you next week, and stay tuned as The World of Row turns.